thinking about this um, this week, and I, so, so my name's Holly, I'm a student worker here, I was thinking about pressure and things like that, and I realised I would be a rubbish youth worker. Well done to all youth workers in the room. Um, I would be a terrible youth worker, and I realised this because I, I still act a little bit like a teenager in a lot of ways in the way that I cope. Um, with pressure. Because when you're a teenager, if you remember when you're in high school, um, there will be a picture of me in high school. That's me and my now fiancé. Oh my goodness. That's like when we first met, dressed as a bee in Sherlock Holmes. Um, so I realised all the pressures that you face as a teenager, of like the social pressures where you need to be like cool and not be awkward, and then the romantic pressures of like, I need a boyfriend, or I need some kind of identity. And then the whole academic thing where you're facing GCSEs and A-levels. And there's all these kind of pressures, whether they're real or false pressures. And um, throughout high school, basically from like 13 probably onwards, I developed this kind of mantra. Um, so I would, um, so I basically, whatever I did, I'd be like, um, after this, then, then I can go home. Like, so I'd be, so I'd be like, um, so I, I, after this school day, then I can go home. I'll get through the bus journey to school, and then I'll do the next, and like do it step at a time, and then I can go home. I, I'll go on this date, and then I can go home very quickly. And then like, I, I'll go and do this exam, and then I can go home. It's like a weird, probably like a weird, it's probably quite dark. Probably shouldn't share it, but it's, um, it's actually like a weird control thing where I'm like, actually, it's like I want to be, I, then I can go and be in a place that I can control, kind of, like I'm a bit more safe there, I know what's going on, because the pressure of all your hormones all over the place for everyone to see, and, and of being a teenager, that, that's how I coped. Um, and it kind of like leaked into university, and I'm still kind of in that, in a way. So like in uni, I was like, I'll get into church, I'll join in, I'll, I'll do some kind of leader-y things, and then I'll go home. I'll do my degree, and then I'll go home. It clearly hasn't worked. Because here I am, still here, not at home with my parents. Um, but it's like funny because even like when I get ill or when I'm feeling really tired, I'm just like, oh, I just want to go home to my parents. Like there's still that funny little coping mechanism. And um, I was chatting to, to Ben, my fiance, about this, um, and he was saying that when he was in primary school, um, he like there was loads of class bullies and stuff. Bless him, he's very nice. Um, and the way that he coped with it, apparently, at like the age of six. Um, was eating loads of oranges. How weird is that? So he, his mum like, didn't know about this for ages and he was getting really bad stomach pains because he was like overdosing on vitamin C. And he was eating like five or six oranges a day. Every day. I don't, I'm a bit like, why didn't your mum notice? But, but literally, so he, had, he had to go and get like, medical attention because of all the orange eating. That's how he coped with the stress of his primary school days. Sad times. So going home, oranges, you know, what... It, when we're under pressure, the, the decisions that we make are really weird. Like, we revert to survival instinct of, do we, you know, fight or flight? You know, like, how do we cope? Like, mine is obviously flight. Um, eating oranges, is it fight? Is it flight? <laughs> no one knows. Maybe it's its own survival instinct. Um, so, yeah, it, it could be comfort eating. It could be Facebook. Um, it could be using humour to cover up disappointment or emotional vulnerability, not naming any names. Um, it might be surrounding yourself with people to make sure that you never actually have to be alone and, and face yourself. Um, it could be a place that you go to. It could be a person that you rely on to, to confide in and get affirmation from. Um, it could be apathy. 
It could be sex, could be church, could be drinking, could be overworking, um, it might be biting your nails, or it might be some sort of self-harm, however subtle or, or, or big that is. Um, it could be throwing a tantrum, could be gossiping. Um, it, it could be something else, it could be eating oranges. But it's whatever it is, we all have coping mechanisms. We all have things that we run to when we're under pressure, when we feel like we need to perform, when we feel squeezed for time or pressed for energy or just our faith and our hope um, and our living, it just feels like it's being crushed by our circumstances. What are the things that you run to? What are the things that you choose under pressure? Because let's be honest, we are all under pressure most of the time we kind of think often we think it's like a temporary state of being that's how we cope so in my final year of uni I remember being like I can't 20th of May 20 that was my dissertation um, deadline so I was like and when that go when I hand that in all the weight will lift all the pressure will go I will never have to face pressure like this again I'll just have a summer of fun um, but actually I'm not even kidding within days maybe maybe hours of handing that dissertation in and being like it's done I'm free the pressure just kind of transferred over and just took a different face. It just became the pressure to get an internship or a grad scheme or to make sure I had a job or um, to make sure I used my summer well. And the decisions that we make, like I said, get weird. I ended up doing a project, a research project about trains for no money. Like, it has no bearing on my career now, but back then I was like, I just need to do something in order to put on my CV. Really helpful in student work. So, so, yeah, we are all under pressure, self-generated or otherwise. We work towards the weekend, we work towards the next holiday, the next day off, um, when those specific pressures end of work or relationships or health. Um, but actually, um, the state of being under pressure is, is always there. It might be something that you're facing this week or next week when half-term's done, or it might be something much bigger and much heavier, like caring for relatives or dealing with loss or dealing with um, life-threatening illness. Pressure has many faces and names, but it remains pressure all the same. How can we cope with it? How can we truly deal with it um, without resorting to those coping mechanisms or temporary fillers that only really distract us? Thankfully, James has something to say about this in chapter 1, verses 2 to 18. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to be hopping all over. Um, funnily enough, we are not the first people to have had to deal with pressure. First of all, James tells us that pressure is a non-negotiable part of our lives. When you face trials, in verse 2, when tempted, verse 13, it's an assumption that we're going to face pressure. Jesus said in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. What a guarantee. It could be the, the outward pressures, or as James puts it, the trials um, of living in our world. Or the inward pressures of temptations that James talks about in verses 13 onwards. Whatever happens, we will face pressure. Heavy. In fact, James actually says that this faith to live by is meant to be lived out. It's meant to be lived out there to be shot at. It's meant to be under pressure. Um, it's, it's meant to be stretched and tested and, and knocked about. It's not meant to be secret and safe and a privately held belief in a padded room. Look at verses 3 onwards. The testing of your faith develops perseverance, which must finish its work so that you may be mature 
and complete. James is telling us that it's a gift and a joy to be in that pressured position of needing God. Someone once said, cheesily, um, that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Imagine if I just got that wrong. Um, Despite the clear difficulty that they had with English um, standard spelling, they actually do have a point. Um, And James agrees, we find ourselves under pressure, whether we like it or not, because we're human. But actually, that's exactly the place where real, lived-by faith comes into fruition, in a place of risk and a place of pressure. But what's your instinct when the pressure's on? What's your go-to mantra? What's your, then I'll go home, or your orange, or your... um, What's the thing that you run to? You know, what I think seems really weird in this passage about about trials and temptations and, and pressures and perseverance, James suddenly just says, ask for wisdom. Isn't that odd? Like, verses four and five. Surely he should talk about um, ask for strength to, like, resist pressures or ask for patience to, like, endure pressures um, or at least something which is relevant to pressures. Um, However, there is a reason, funnily enough, why wisdom comes into play. We need wisdom because wisdom shapes how we make choices and choices chart the course of life. Think about it. What do you run to? What are the things you choose when the pressure's on? What's your coping mechanism? What you choose under pressure changes the course of your life. And this whole passage is littered with just stuff about choices on decision-making. So consider it pure joy when you face trials. In other words, decide to take on pressure joyfully. What a challenge. Choose perseverance over escape routes Verses three and four, choosing to stand the tests of faith rather than getting out as quickly as possible. Verse six, believe rather than doubt. Be active in deciding to trust single-mindedly. Choose truth over blame shifting. Verse 13, remember God's goodness and his generosity and who he actually is. Um, Verse 15, that describes the process that leads to sin, which leads to death. With the first small step, of choosing that coping mechanism, of choosing desire. Choices form the crux of this passage, and choices chart the course of life. James is making an important point about what we choose in the midst of pressure, however big or small. He points to wisdom, godly wise decision-making, that grates against our survival instincts. It resists those coping mechanisms, It's the same topsy-turvy, on-its-head way of life that Jesus calls us to in following him, which says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. James knows that survival instincts do us no good in that place as we lay down our lives and our very selves to follow Jesus. So, what's James told us so far? Firstly, you are under pressure, in case it's escaped your notice. Secondly, making godly wise choices is of paramount importance to your life. Yet, making godly wise choices under pressure seems near impossible. Do you really consider it pure joy when the kids are running circles around you and they're demanding all of your energy, all your love, all your time, constantly? Or do you think of it as some sort of divine punishment? 
Do you ask God for wisdom without hesitation or doubt, choosing that surrendered course of perseverance and sacrifice when your spouse seems hell-bent on annoying you as much as possible? Or do you try and keep your options open and, and make sure they really know what they've done wrong and that make sure they won't do it again? When your housemates are constantly digging at you for not hanging out with them enough or for not drinking enough or they're crashing around the kitchen at 4am and you're like, I've got an exam at 9am. Do you give in to the temptation to just join in or do you undercut the ringleader in front of everyone or do you just try and make your point? Or do you look towards the maturity and the completion that God promises through perseverance? When your phone's ringing and there's work to do, when you can't you don't even know when you're, how you're going to pay the bills this month or when you cannot stand your job and you spend all your time outside your job looking for another job that you think you might hate just as much. Um, do you praise God for his presence and his generosity or do you blame him that he's put you here in the first place? Which do you choose? Now is the time to choose well. We could just carry on delaying good decisions or procrastinating until we find ourselves in a position where a lot more actually is at risk in the choices that we make. We could just keep keeping our options open and keep tunnelling away at those escape routes. I could just keep telling myself, and then I can go home and actually not dig into what God has given me here. What coping mechanisms are you resorting to? What choices are you making in the face of pressure? Imagine what our lives would look like if we made every decision with godly wisdom. Imagine what G2 and the church at large would look like if we chose to act in faith and persevere when faced with pressure, surrendered to the deep work God is doing in us, rather than just operating on survival instinct all the time. If we were just ready to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and, and follow Jesus all the way. Let's not delay those choices with the blame shifting, the false comfort, the doubt and the indecision that James points out to us in this really challenging passage. He says, we must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, a man of two minds, hesitating, doubting, and indecisive. He is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Choices chart the course of life. What pressures are you facing and what choices are you making?